Global Bitcoin Fest. Celebrate Bitcoin adoption with Bitcoin communities worldwide. Welcome to Global Bitcoin Fest and Ethiopia. Very excited to have our guest from Ethiopia joining today to share about Ethiopia and Bitcoin. What's happening over there? There's been a lot of buzz on Twitter and there seems to be a lot of stuff happening. So super excited to have you all here. Short about Global Bitcoin Fest, we are a group of plebs that enjoy listening to what's happening in Bitcoin in different countries around the globe. So we do that by meeting pleb communities and hearing out what's going on. We started back in 2021 after, well, actually before Naib announced the uh, famous uh, law to make Bitcoin legal tender in El Salvador. And after he announced the law, we accelerated our uh, give free sats giveaway efforts. And we did it in Spanish in Latin America. We started with El Salvador, then we did Mexico, Cuba, Venezuela, and just doing free sats giveaways and uh, explaining Bitcoin on a fairly basic level. And uh, one day, one guy in the chat group that was spontaneously formed suggested let's do a 24-hour Twitter space to celebrate the adoption of Bitcoin in El Salvador uh, on the 7th of September, the day when Bitcoin became legal tender in El Salvador. And um, we came together and managed to organize this in six, seven days. And uh, we did a 24-hour non-stop Twitter space. Every hour there was a new community joining in sharing their story and uh, it was so amazing we decided hey let's do this every week with one new community and actually cal was one of the people uh, that was uh, organizing a space uh, it was a really good one together with sudan hodl so really nice to have you back cal and um, before i pass the mic to you just a quick word about me i'm lucas I'm one of the co-organizers of Global Bitcoin Fest, and uh, I started doing this um, because I felt that this was my way that I could contribute to Bitcoin while I might personally don't have any project in Bitcoin. I'm an entrepreneur, started a company back in 2010 to sign documents electronically. I got kicked out of the company 2017, and found um, and re-engaged with Bitcoin in 2017 and got really confused by everything that was going on. I wasn't sure how to uh, get the right information. So I ended up shitcoining all in, losing everything and not touching Bitcoin until 2020 when I sold my shares and had to figure out what to do next uh, and what to do with the savings. And I realized the only sane um, savings technology that I could come across where I wouldn't have to spend a lot of time uh, managing the money was Bitcoin. And uh, down the rabbit hole I went and here I am and um, super excited to 
hear about Bitcoin in Ethiopia. Cal, please uh, introduce yourself. Fantastic uh, introduction, uh, Lucas. I think uh, I thank you for putting together such a you know an amazing event and you know inviting us on stage and making Ethiopia kind of the the focus for the week. Um, an introduction on me. Um, I work in Bitcoin education. Um, so past two years or so, um, I've been uh, teaching, advocating, uh, sharing information regarding uh, Bitcoin in Ethiopia. I've given you know, lectures, presentations. Um, I've I've you know enjoyed being a Bitcoiner, and uh, you know today I'm I'm you know director of business development at, at Hoseki. Uh, we're doing uh, you know some cool work around proof of reserves. So for any borrowers looking to prove uh, you know solvency and things like that, it's um, it's uh, it's an interesting tool. So yeah, on you know my specific and kind of personal passion has been kind of the education route, and I I, I assume like most Bitcoiners, I'll, I'll be in the space for a long time. So I'm really excited to to speak with everyone today and and uh, get a handle on on Ethiopia and what we all could do. Yay. Thank you so much, and thanks for bringing everybody together here today. So we have Project Mano, and um, please introduce yourself. Obviously, it's the person behind Project Mano. It's a group of people behind Project Mano, uh, so it's one person um, behind the handle today. Hello, what's up? Hi, Lucas. Uh, thank you. Um, like you said, we're actually um, not... We're not like it's not a single person who's behind Project Man. We're a bunch of Bitcoiner Ethiopians all across the country, like actually made up of all walks of life. You could imagine some of them are university professors from like Addis University, and some of them are like computer programmers and computer hackers who are behind companies like Octagon Networks and Anyone Can Code and uh, ICOG. Um, for many reasons, we, we we have all agreed to keep uh, our personal identities anonymous. One of the most important reasons is to dissociate the movement or the idea from a single person or a group as it can seem like we carry uh, ulterior motives. Um, another reason is because the state of legality of Bitcoin is sort of still in muddy waters for the you know the public here. Uh, it has previously been banned and then quickly unbanned, but you know it's still in the gray area. So while we figured that out, we we don't think it's a like we don't want to associate with it just personally, um, as we think that can harm the project. But what Project Mano is is just it's basically a project to try to convince the Ethiopian government to do multiple things with Bitcoin, and that like I can talk about some of this later. Um, it's just the economy of Ethiopia is not doing well, and we think there are many ways Bitcoin can actually help with this. Um, so yeah, I can talk more about that. But Project Mano is uh, basically a proposal for the government to improve the lives of Ethiopians by using Bitcoin. Yeah. Thank you very much. And um, my impression is that you've progressed a lot since we did the first Glow Bitcoin Fest on 7th of September, the 24 hour space. I remember you came in and you shared some of your thoughts and it seemed like the project was fairly early back then, but it seems like uh, a lot of stuff has happened and you've been getting a lot of attention. So I really look forward to uh, hearing more, 
more about that as we progress the space. Um, Gilak, hey, welcome. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Uh, my story started like this. I graduated from college in Ethiopia. I, I, I born and raised in Ethiopia, and I graduated in Ethiopia, and I moved to United States around 2002. And I introduced to different uh, atmosphere in this country. Then, to make the story short, I went to school in Texas University. I graduated around 2012. Uh, aerospace engineering. Then I went to start working. Uh, previously, I was still working while I was in college, so I keep continue working in the same place in Dallas area. Then I introduced uh, to Bitcoin around 2017. Uh, I was in a perfect place. Uh, it's it's not easy for most people to understand Bitcoin when they uh, get the information because their life is probably busy at that time or their circumstances different. So it's, uh, I was lucky enough at that point, uh, that atmosphere created for me to understand what Bitcoin is and what it can do for the future or for the people, not only for Ethiopia, for the world. So uh, then I started investing on Bitcoin uh, when uh, I keep working in the same place. At the same time, I start developing, I start participating in an open source uh, community to develop different uh, approach how uh, a country like Ethiopia can actually uh, realize this potential and use it for the future. So uh, since then, when the COVID hits, uh, I stopped working on my old job and now 100% fully devoted for this purpose. And I'm here and I'm excited for inviting me uh, to speak. This is my first time on, on a space and I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to learn from everybody else. You're all amazing people. One thing I remember when El Salvador uh, uh, introduced the bill, I remember that I, I, don't, I didn't join the 24 space, but I was in a, in a space where the president come out and say uh, how the, 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 the chamber is deciding on Bitcoin. It was a very exciting time and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I participated in that. And that's my story. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Yilak. Very nice to have you. So we will start by uh, hearing a little bit more about Ethiopia, just some history, the current situation, and anything you guys feel uh, is relevant or interesting for us to uh, to learn about Ethiopia. And then we'll move into Bitcoin in Ethiopia. So uh, would you like to kick this off, Cal, and share some uh, background on Ethiopia? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I'm, I'm probably a, you know one of the worst people to talk about you know Ethiopian history just because I went to schools in California all my life. So... You know, I can probably talk to, to you about, you know, the Constitution and, and Benjamin Franklin, but, um, you know, Ethiopian history, because it's so long, right? Um, we're looking at a country that is, you know, um, <laughs> you know, extremely old, right? And uh, I think the best way to describe Ethiopia is uh, it's a very sovereign country. So uh, we have never been colonized. Um, they've tried several times, um, but, you know, they failed, right? So in terms of our... Uh, finances, um, we use a, a, a local currency, 
right? And and even if it's that to our our, our detriment, you know, we, we've never really uh, involved ourselves in kind of the, the dollar or um, the euro or or you know a lot of the trade activities that a lot of the other African countries are are, are going through. So Ethiopia historically is is very sovereign um, in how it's 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 been made up politically and and you know just our historical and religious influences um, and and. Where we are today, um, you know, I think we can all agree uh, that it, it's in a troubled place, right? It's in a uh, it's in a place where it's it's uh, its identity is questioned, right? Um, is it um, a country? Is it a singular country, or is it a collection of of states, right? And and then you can kind of move that forward. Is it a collection of groups and tribes and identities and languages and religions, right? So, uh, you know, not only are we battling with a a debasement of, of money, but we're dealing with a debasement of uh, identity, right? And with, you know, technology, culture, and, and all of these kind of, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, very proud uh, pillars of, of our character are, are being eroded, right? And so, um, you know, if you were to Google Ethiopia, you would learn about our amazing coffee, right? You would learn about our amazing Salomonic uh, dynasty, and our, um, you know, UN World Heritage sites, right, unparalleled in the world, you know, kind of tourism and things like this. Um, but then you'll also learn about uh, different tribes hacking each other to death, right? And so this is happening. And, um, and it's really, uh, it, one, it's very confusing for an outsider. Right? But also, I think, you know, if we're able to solve some of these issues, um, at the Ethiopia level, we can bring those solutions out to the, you know, to the global level, right? Because we're dealing with it all. We're dealing with, with high inflation, right? Because our money is weak. And we're dealing with social, let's call it tension, because our communication channels are, are weak, right? And, uh, and we also have, you know, policies that um, aren't favorable to us, right? So in terms of governance, in terms of um, organizational uh, you know, management, uh, I would say everything is poor. And so I think that's where we are today. Um, uh, I don't mean to be bleak, but I, 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 I'm, I'm trying to be re- a realist. And I think we all have different solutions that we're, we're prepared to offer. Um, I think this room, we're, we're going to be focusing on, on Bitcoin as a potential solution for, for some of these ills. And, uh, and uh, how's that for an introduction, Lucas? Yeah, I have a, a bunch of follow-on questions. But before I ask anything, is there anyone else that wants to uh, jump in and share their their take on Ethiopia? Yeah, uh, so like Carl said, it's a really, really old country. So this goes back to about 2,000 years. Some people argue it's even older than China. So in that case, it might be the oldest country in the world. Um, it, it's so old that you actually see it like referenced in the Bible many times. Um, but yeah, it's a country of many, many ethnicities. There are over like hundreds of hundreds of ethnicities in the country. And there are many moving parts. There are uh, many parts of the government that are completely autonomous. So the government opinion about most things is all over the place. So like the state of Bitcoin, if you ask one government official, as Gal says, can't say is illegal, why not that like praises it and says, you know, it's obviously illegal. It's it's a messy place, but and and I understand how it can look even messier if you've never been or 
um, know its, its history, but it's, it's a really unique country. Um, and it's segregated. So there are many ethnicities, but you don't really see them living together. So like the north part of, part of the country is occupied by a certain ethnicity, while the south part is another ethnicity. So at, all ethnicities have like uh, like a location where they they're based, and there are two or three cities where there is mixing. So the, the the main city is Addis Ababa. In that city, you will see people from all ethnicities there and living peacefully. So if you look at news about Ethiopia um, four or five years ago, the news was not actually this bad. The, the news have never been this bad about uh, war and ethnic. Uh, problems. We suspect this has something to do with uh, the financial situation getting worse. Um, it, it's not just Ethiopia, right? Like since two or three years ago, there have been worldwide rise of conflict, um, especially ethnic conflict, finger-pointing finger and uh, apparent inequality. So it is very visible in Ethiopia as well. And while this like this may seem unrelated, um, it is it is Project Manos like hypothesis that these occurrences may all be linked to the inflationary nature of the global economy, and it's a very long story if I try to get into it. But it's a complex place where people have been living together for thousands of years, and recently they 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 seem to not want to live together, and. This is not every Ethiopian in the country does not share this opinion. Some Ethiopians and rural parts of the country, especially, do not want to live with the other ethnicities. But people in the cities do want to live with each other and love each other. So it's a confusing place. Um, and I, I hope we talk more about this and connect how uh, just we to, think just the coin is the solution. The, yeah. Just, just to give the listeners perspective here. Uh, what kind of inflation are we talking about in Ethiopia today? What's the level of inflation? So that's very difficult to know because, um, you know, the government will never actually tell you the actual inflation price. And it's also very difficult to calculate the actual inflation because we do not know, unlike USD, right? You do not know how much Ethiopian is in the country. Um, so if it doubles or if it triples, we would not know. Um, and... Uh, it takes sometimes months, sometimes years for the economy to actually sync up to a level where um, prices figure out what, what items cost. And that, that's usually a very painful process for anyone in the market, buyers, sellers, right? So it's not clear what the actual inflation rate is. But the thing is, Ethiopia had something called uh, Tagara for money for, for a long time. And Tagara is made up of just silver it's just a silver coin and all all ptps money up until maybe the 1980s has been uh silver coins like fiat is actually a very new concept ethiopia um since it's been introduced it has been very stable like it, 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 since the first time it got introduced it was a one-to-one -one pair with a USD. So this is maybe in the 90s, if you give like maybe early 90s. And since then, it, it's gone up to um, around 30, $1 to 30 TPN. Uh, the new currency is called BIR. It's the fiat version of 
um, which is kind of funny. It's like, a brr, like I think they named it when they're printing. <laughs> but um, yeah, the the exchange rate is very difficult to calculate. But like, so it depends who you ask, right? There is a black market, and there's a like what the banks say uh, one dollar is worth. Um, for about like five years or so, the the rate has been consistent. It was in the thirties. But last two years, uh, quickly jumped up, jumped up to like one US dollar to 50s, and then it jumped up to the 60s area. Um, and then in the black market, you can actually buy it for like one US dollar could be worth around 100, 120 ETPM. But that's as high as it goes right now, I think. Um, but uh, banks will say one US dollar is worth around like 57%. So that's like 50% difference from what the black market says. Um, that's pretty insane. So it went from one to one relationship to in the black market um, above a hundred in what thirty years? Yeah, give or take. Okay, okay. I think we're getting a picture here. It's a pretty rough inflation situation. Um, Yilak, do you want to add something as well? <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, um, I can say like. I'm a very optimistic person uh, on top of that. I, I'm not in Ethiopia, so I, I see all these problems, but uh, I cannot like grasp the political situation or what's going on in Ethiopia. But the, the, the inflation is more economically when you see it. The inflation is only, you can, uh, this happened within the last uh, more than four years, but the, the last two years is different because uh, just think about it. The oil price right now is to a hundred twenty something dollars, but in Ethiopia uh, a year ago or two years ago the the crude oil price was like around thirty dollars. So Ethiopia, the, the government has to sustain this the energy, the energy needs regardless. So they have to get this money from the people. I'm not saying like the, what the government is doing the right thing or uh, wrong thing. I'm just seeing what it is. So. The, they, they have to inflate this money by default so they can sustain the economy from the needs. This happen, it's, not, it's, it's, it's not in their control, it's outside of their control because this is affecting everybody in the world. But uh, on the other side, Ethiopia, like they say, the, the oldest nation, uh, we uh, most people found it in uh, a core relation with the religion. So the people, even, even if it seats, from outside, it's very chaotic. Uh, people, I was there like uh, three months ago. Uh, people still love each other, live together without, you don't even feel this kind of problem happening outside of the city. Uh, but those happening, they have their own reason because most people are living, the, the most uh, poverty country in the world is Ethiopia. Still, uh, even if we see it from outside, very fruitful sometimes it looked that way but inside the people the way they live in a rural area and in a city is different because of that because of economics people are it's very hard for them to live together because uh, if, if if i don't have anything to eat i feel like someone's taking my food so i have to fight with that guy so i can sustain myself but if the whole country is fruitful which bitcoin can provide for the country uh, in a beautiful way. Uh, I'm very optimistic since now we start working on this thing. Uh, I see a bright future for the country and uh, our history 
uh, I will repeat yourself and you're going to come out of this very uh, wonderful. Thank you. And uh, I just have, before we move on to Bitcoin, I just wonder one thing. So, Cal, you mentioned that uh, Ethiopia has actually been sovereign all the time, has not been occupied, um, at least not in any significant sense. And uh, how come uh, you have this uh, huge uh, conglomerate of um I read that there's like 80 languages. You, somebody said that there's over, uh, there's hundreds of ethnicities. Uh, there's 112 million people in this country. I think I, before, before the space, I checked the number. It's a, it's a place with a lot of different colors and flavors. And how did it become one country? How did that happen? Uh, I'm, I'm probably not the best to answer this. Who, who would be our, our forefather, uh, uh, Yilak or, or Project Mana? Would it be... Who, who put all of our states together? I, I, I have an answer, which is a very specific to me. So I'll, I'll give my answer and then everybody can give their answers. I mean, my answer is uh, having the leader that had the most institutions and the most kind of foreign uh, influence. And that was uh, the emperor, uh, his imperial majesty. I just left. So 1918 or so, uh, up until 1974, I feel like that's when he really solidified the idea of a state. Um, and he put, you know, Ethiopian Airlines together, you know, the electric and, and kind of the telecom networks. And he, he, he gave people uh, access to, um, you know, different tools that they needed, right? Infrastructure, education, X, Y, and Z. And so I think that's what makes a state a state. Um, also, I would also say topography, um, in terms of like the geography and, and kind of the, the placement of, e of Ethiopia is perfectly suited so that it naturally happens without really any political or, or kind of um, lead, leader-led manifesto. You know, you have the in Indian influence, um, you, know, the, you know, that led to kind of our uh, Harare people, right? Um, and then, of course, surrounded by all of the beautiful countries. So I would say a combination of um, our leaders, let's say, in the... Uh, um, you know, 18th, uh, 19th, and 20th century, right? That's when we really solidified the idea of Ethiopia um, beyond a, 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 a collection of, of tribes. And, and the emperor started believing himself to be king of kings, right? Which is uh, the only way to rule kings, right? Um, which is a very decentralized idea, right? Which is to say, you're your own king, I'm my own king. Um, but then to still say, look, I, I am the, the master node here, right? So there is an interesting uh, political relationship. Also, I want to note that Yilak mentioned some, some great things about energy. And I think uh, the Nile is definitely a point of contention because the Nile starts and begins its flow in Ethiopia. And that's creating a lot of chaos downhill, right, in, in, in uh, some of those other countries. And so... Um, I think we're at this contention point because, um, one, our solidity as a country um, has been infiltrated, right? It's been, uh, it's been infringed upon, right? It's been corrupted to some degree. Uh, and I feel like the, the reasoning behind that has to do with um, our energy issues, our dollar issues, and our neighbors and our, our dam, our Grand Renaissance Dam, 
And uh, I guess we're going to speak more about the dam. I think Project Mano has some ideas around that dam. So the idea of how Selassie solidifying um, uh, Ethiopia, well, I'm, I was a big, I still am a big reggae fan, and uh, the Rastafari is saying a lot about Haile Selassie and going back uh, to, um, to the home country, um, Zion. Uh, I think uh, Ethiopia is considered to be one of those places. Anyways, let's move on to a little bit more about Bitcoin. Is there any history in Bitcoin in Ethiopia, or is it fairly recent, the initiatives in Bitcoin in Ethiopia? Um, so you could say it's it's been a thing for people who have access to internet and electricity. It was the only known way of making a payment outside of the country uh, other than going to the banks, but the banks are, they'll give you a limit. Say like you have money that in the bank and it's worth $25,000 or something. And if you go to the bank and say, I want $1,000, $1,000 of my own money in dollars, or I want you to transfer it to some other country, that will be denied. Uh, they will probably give you $200 out of your $25,000 or something. So th the reason for that is because, at least we believe, is because the exchange rate is not um, accurate. So people who live in the cities, they've been using it like, just personally, they've um, th th these could be just traders or um, merchants. They import, export items, and the easiest way of doing it is just Bitcoin for the longest time. Since Bitcoin's inception, I do know people who've been involved, and the state of Bitcoin has been just gray for up until maybe a year ago. There is like the government sort of knows it happens, but it has not gotten serious enough to ever pursue it so you could call it most of the activity has been somewhat illegal just to move money in and out of the country and the government i guess it wasn't high enough amount of money moving around that the government didn't actually care yeah so people have been using it here and there but they have to be based in the cities because uh, you you don't have electricity or uh, internet outside of the the cities and there are maybe 10 or 20 uh, places worthy enough to be called cities so yeah it's, it's been popular in the cities but not as popular outside of the cities yeah interesting it's a very practical application Eli, please yeah uh, i would like to add this um recently there is a lot of movement and Bitcoin, like people start having understanding a little bit more due to the education uh, also recently. Uh, a lot of movement start because of what's going on in the country or economically. Uh, people always uh, try to, to go to uh, what gives them more value. It's a natural thing. So when when the, the exchange rate that diverts from the actual rate, like uh, the bank suggests the exchange rate is 50 something dollars, but the black market, uh, some people are willing to pay that kind of money for a dollar, then people start, uh, you know, that takes, uh, when the government start controlling more the economy, so people start uh, utilizing more uh, source. But before that, in, uh, at the government level, in 2017, 
most of the, the elected leaders in office, they used to have some communication with uh, different companies. They have this understanding. Um, even the prime minister of Ethiopia is a cryptographer. So he understand what Bitcoin can bring to the country. Uh, also other uh, ministers, technology minister, they used to communicate with uh, a blockchain company uh, when they approach this thing, they, they approach the company from their own understanding. So uh, they start some kind of communication with Cardano uh, and uh, they try and do, they have understanding. So Carl wrote some paper why Cardano is not feasible for Ethiopia. Before that, uh, we also some people uh, write some paper for the, the, the Minister of uh, Technology why Cardano is feasible for Ethiopia so they can have understanding. But I, I think the country in general, they are open to adopt a new technology, but at the same time, uh, there are so many levels of system it has to go through, so it creates this uh, chaos right now. But uh, people are open because they want to use it, because it gives them value. Also, governments are, uh, in my understanding, they are open and willing to work with the Bitcoin community if it provides a value. And I believe pro Bitcoin clearly provides a value. So. I don't see why the government denied to use it. Yeah. Okay. And so to sum up, people have been using Bitcoin for many, many years, um, mainly in secret because it's been uh, a bit of a gray zone and um, things are starting to heat up. Would um, maybe Cal or Project Mano, would you want to? Uh, share what you guys are working on now, uh, what you're focusing on? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, also, my, my brother was texting me. He, he was, he's fact-checking me. He's saying that Minilik uh, did the electricity investments um, throughout the country. And, you know, Haile Selassie focused more on the uh, airlines and banking infrastructure later on. So, so yeah, that's some fact for you. Um, but um, regarding what I've been working on, you know, education and really just like the, the basics of the education, right? Um, without getting too kind of complex, um, just how the blocks work, how the blocks come together, um, how many transactions sit in a block. And, and also this is, you know, for me, it's been the more I learn, the more I teach. And then I find out that, you know, I could learn more about it, right? So as I'm learning, I'm teaching, it's probably the worst professor you'll ever have. Um, but hopefully it keeps things like fun and interesting. And I'm, you know, I'm learning in real time and sharing that on, 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 on telegram groups. Um, and, and I guess regarding like a timeline of events, I'm trying to like put that together and, and you know, it's a bit diff difficult just because the, the information hasn't really been um, kept someone somewhere central, but I would say around you know, 2017, we started seeing a lot of um, noise in, in, in the space uh, Commercial Bank of Ethiopia did a report on it, on Bitcoin. Um, subsequently, 2018, Cardano came into Ethiopia. Um, 20, I think 21 is when we saw most interesting development um, on the Ethiopia side. Uh, I know Yalak and I were, were there about three months ago. And uh, and yeah, so so up until then, th th there's been a lot. And, um, you know, it, it probably starts somewhere at the Ministry of, of Technology. Um, I remember there was a state minister who's now um, at the defense of all places, but he was quite uh, supportive of the idea. Um, I think the the real kind of day where we knew that this was significant was 
when you had the Commercial Bank of Ethiopia uh, inauguration in Addis Ababa. Um, this was maybe, uh, let's say, January or so um, of, of this year, so just six months ago. And uh, the prime minister um, talked about uh, cryptocurrency, right? And he said to all of the uh, bankers, all of the bank presidents, that they should look into it, right? Um, and then he followed that up with uh, some discussions to his own kind of cabinet, right, to his own uh, ministers and state ministers where uh, uh, the prime minister brought up two topics, right? First, he talked about open source and what that means, right? That level of uh, uh, transparency and how they can build governance tools um, using open source. And then he talked about cryptocurrency and how it's a tool for thieves, right? And I'm, I'm aggressively doing translations and, you know, again, <laughs> translations might, might get uh, squeezed in one way or another. Um, so I'm cognizant of that. Actually, we've had entire... Wars fought with Italy because our translations were done so bad. So I'm focusing on translations. So there's no kind of you know gray area about what's what's happening here. But you know he's 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 mentioned you know cryptocurrency many times. Um, and then most recently, Salomon Casa he, he wasn't able to join us. But you know I think he's kind of like a, a personal friend of the prime minister's, and you know he's edited his last book. He's working on a new book. Um, and I think, uh, you know, he's, he's been diving deep into Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrency. So there's, there's been a lot of kind of calendar events. The most important, I would say, is National Bank of Ethiopia, their press release, but not just their press release, but their comments after their press release, which clarified a lot of their points. So, um, yes, it's not legal tender in Ethiopia, but no, they're not putting some sort of blanket ban. And so if you are a technologist and you want to use it, um, you know, there is encouragement because uh, offices like Ethio Telecom, uh, they're seeing revenue come in through bit refill uh, because people are using Bitcoin to buy telecom credit. So, uh, you know, again, like Project Mono said, if you ask seven ministers, you'll get seven answers. So there's not a clear story, but, but that's somewhat what the story looks like. Yeah. So. Um... To explain what we've been doing, you have to, I have to go back and explain some things about the country. So um, the total exports of the country is about three billion US dollars. So that that's three billion US dollars divided to four, um, 120 million people's needs. So that's medical needs, um, food needs, um, transportation needs, all sorts of needs that they need to import. All the money comes from that export uh, and Ethiopia does not export much you may know about Ethiopian coffee and there are a few other agricultural items that we export so the the theory that we have why the sudden rise of ethnic conflict is happening and why the economy is getting worse is because there's global inflation happening at the same time and Ethiopia got into its internal conflict with um, I'm sure you've read about it, but Ethiopian government is currently, not currently, but it's been at war with a, one specific region for about um, two years, I think. And it's still not, I don't think it's over, over. So it's kind of on pause. That, that drained the economy, um, as any war does, that drained the economy really badly. That made the government needed to print a lot more, but also... Um, 
uh, one of the export destinations for Ethiopian products is the United States. And the U.S. has this program called African Growth and Opportunity Act, or AGWA, um, that lets Ethiopia import items into the U.S. without tax, just to just to help Ethiopia out. And that program got discontinued because of the internal conflict and the internal conflict not being able to, um, they could not stop the internal conflict. So they thought they used that as leverage. So they pulled that out. So that $3 billion that was getting exported, that also got cut significantly because most of Ethiopian exports were going to the U.S. and then the U.S. cut off the Agua program, which cut off a lot of uh, exporters in Ethiopia. So that made the currency situation even worse. But there's there's a plus side of um, there being a local currency. Uh, the, the, the main reason is we can sort of live happily with three billion dollars. Now, if you if you think about it, if you pause and think about it, three billion dollars is just some pocket change for some billionaire, right? But 120 million people can live, and and that's why I say the country actually does not its population does not hate each other. The population, I think, wants to live together because if you can make such little money work for so long, um, we think there's potential that, right? Like that if, if the economical problems are solved, then people do want to live together. They do see the, the point of diversity, like like the US, like Ethiopia has so many ethnicities, but they they, there's there's a benefit of there being more than one ethnicity, and I think for anyone who lives in the cities, they do recognize that that you do see, aha, like that person being different from me in this way is actually very beneficial for all of us in this way, and it's sort of obvious if you're actually there. Um, so the main goal of Project Mano has been to increase this three billion export to some sustainable amount, and the the history of Ethiopia's exports has, has been like this, right? Like, so the import-export um, disparity has been only 1 billion for around 2001, 2002, there was only like uh, 1 billion dollars was the trade deficit. So the government was trying to close that trade deficit before actually opening up the economy. So what they thought of doing was build this dam called the Grand Renaissance Ethiopian Dam and sell power to neighboring nations. And but it's, 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 when it was finished, it was going to be the biggest dam in the whole continent. And uh, it was gonna generate somewhere around 6,700 or 7,000 megawatts of electricity. Um, so they positioned it next to Sudan and uh, Eritrea to, to sell them power. And the main reason for the dam is just to to sell power to and uh, generate revenue to close the trade deficit. Um, they calculated that by selling power to these neighboring na nations, they would be able to increase the exports by about one billion US dollars. So they could close the trade deficit and open up the economy. But finishing up that dam took about five to ten years. Well, it was expected it would be over by four or three years. Uh, but it took about 10 years, and by the the trade deficit has actually grown 16 times. That the trade deficit is actually now 16 billion dollars. So to open up the economy, that to open up means to 
to have the, the exchange rate be real. If, when they say 50 TPM dollars was one US dollar, they're saying for each 50 but we have, we have one US dollar reserved, right? So um, we, we're just trying to push, close the, the trade deficit. If the trade deficit is closed, the economy can be opened. And instead of selling power to these different nations, what we're proposing, at least like the, one of the main proposals was Project Manos, sell the power to the Bitcoin network. And it, it is um, it does not need anyone's permission, right? Like all you have to do is plug in some miners and sell power. And about 6,000 uh, 6, megawatts um, translates to about 15,000 gigawatt per hour per year. And the Bitcoin network runs around like 129, um, I think. Um, no, I mean, 115,000... Um, 600 terawatt hour per year, and the Bitcoin network runs about 129,000, I think. So it can actually support, uh, the dam can actually support one-eighth of the Bitcoin network, which actually means it'd be able to make it be about three to, at current Bitcoin prices, TPA would be able to make $3 billion. At Bitcoin's peak price, it would be about, um, six to seven billion dollars so that would that would actually change things right like for a country that's earning three billion dollars currently if the if the export numbers could grow a double or triple just within a year because the country started mining bitcoin things could uh really change for the country really fast and not in a very incremental way but it could change just all of a sudden right um so that's that's one thing we're, pro we're proposing to the idea is to close the trade deficit. Ethereum um, um, should mine Bitcoin, uh, or like mining Bitcoin is the easiest way to close the trade deficit. Like if you, the government can invest in tourism, the government can invest in trade, whatever it's investing, the money they will generate will be very incremental, right? Like maybe they'll be able to grow it by like three point five billion or something, but it's never going to catch up to. <coughs> 16 billion, which is the amount it needs to be for the trade deficit to close. So the only realistic path that we see to close the trade deficit is to mine Bitcoin. And when we say mine Bitcoin, we don't mean uh, Bitcoin miners sh should go to the, the country and mine Bitcoin, um, or ETPS should sell power to these mining companies. We mean the ETPS government itself should start mining Bitcoin because the three billion US dollars that the country generates from exports, it's actually mostly the government that uh, generates this money. Uh, there's, you might have heard of like Ethiopian Airlines, there's exports the government does, but a lot of the commercial sector of the, the, the country that does exports is actually the government. And for that reason, we, we insist that the government also should do this because unlike the US, the Ethiopian government is actually very, very much involved in the market, especially when you're trading with foreign nations. Um, there's very, very few companies in the country or individuals who can actually trade outside of the country. Um, the capacity is not there. So the government sort of like uh, collateralizes all of this and consolidates the products and exports for us. So the government itself should also use the dam that it's built 
to mine Bitcoin is, is one of uh, project manager suggestions. There are two other suggestions we have, but we can talk about them later. And also project manager, I would say that there's also a, a, a very interesting reason why Ethiopia's private sector is not, um, I hate to say it, but uh, competent or uh, available or, or, or uh, supplied enough to solve the challenges, right? Uh, you know, capitalism works um, in, in the West, but it doesn't in other countries. And there's a reason why, right? That, you know, for example, from 74 to 91, we were a, a, a communist country, right? And so we have to deal with things in an interesting way in Ethiopia. And I completely acknowledge that because um, I'm actually like a very staunch libertarian um, in the United States. But then every time I get to Ethiopia, I understand, um, you know, things are beyond us a little bit. And so, so, so yeah, I can, I can see that, that, that perspective. And, and I, I really, yeah, I look forward to seeing, you know, and, and the government in Ethiopia, like I, I've spoken to many of them and I'm actually very surprised that within six months they've digested these. Cause I, you know, I, I sent six, seven books there and people actually read it. Right. So, um, I would argue that the policymakers in Ethiopia are much smarter than the ones in the United States. And when push comes to shove, countries like Ethiopia will innovate their way out of this. Um, because what, what Project Mono is telling you is um, it, it's literally $3 billion, right? Like that's it. Like think of all of the shitty projects that died based off of nothing, right? In the, in the shit coin ecosystem, right? Valued at what? billions right so project mono is telling you that for a small price of three billion dollars a country can um you know export its way out of a nightmare yeah uh, to add into that uh, if you see the median age for ethiopian is 19.5 like the youngest generation like we have a lot of working power uh, in ethiopia which is huge and plus on top of the dam is finishing right now. For that, I want to make a point. I don't see the reason why not Ethiopia already start mining on, on the dam because one, uh, uh, they have to invest a lot of money for infrastructure to export the electricity from the dam to neighboring country, which is, we have to do that at some point. But Bitcoin provide a, a shortcut for that. They can actually build the dam, the, the miner next to it and they don't have to, uh, lose the power, even from a physics point of view, the efficiency level, you lose around 30% of the energy you produce when you ship it to another place to be used. You can reduce by 10%, you get a lot of benefit out of it. On top of that, uh, let's say we sell the power to another country, and at some point, something happened in the power line uh, break, or someone attacked it or something. Then we have to lose a lot of money or a, a power at that moment Till we uh, repair these lines. At that time, if you have a miner, you can mine whenever uh, a surplus of energy, and when, whenever you need the energy to another industry, you can shut off the miner, and you know it can be like a, a, they can use that at stabilizing the network, which is huge for Ethiopia to 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 consider that. On top of that. Ethiopia has the lowest debt to GDP ratio compared to other countries. Japan GDP to debt ratio is like 200 something percent. 
Ethiopia has only 50 because we didn't live uh, all our life out of our means. We lived as a poor nation without consuming a lot of things. So we have uh, a lot of opportunity to use this, uh, uh, our, our human power. Uh, one of the things I'm working on right now is to provide a way for people to use a lighting network if you want to hire someone in Ethiopia or there's huge human power. So directly you can hire those people using paying on a lighting network, this which is perfect solution for everybody. So look into that. I, 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 I'm very optimistic. We're gonna, we're gonna, the, all the technologies are here. It's just that to educate the, the government and whoever has to be educated and just build this and finish this. Uh, that's uh, my opinion. I'm very interested to hear more about this lightning project. Um, before that, I just want to ask a question about the mining. So what are the main obstacles, would you say, for the, the dam to start um, or for the government to start doing the mining? Is there political obstacles? Is there international political obstacles? Is there just getting all the miners? Uh, what, what are the main problems, would you say? Yeah, so it's, it's very complicated. Like um, the first the first thing is convincing the population that this is the right thing to do, right? That because who owns the dam, the population owns the dam, they, uh, uh, Ethiopia could not get um, money. Ethiopia tried to loan money to build the dam, but the IMF and the World Bank actually refused the loan because it is a geopolitically controversial dam because the, the water actually starts from Ethiopia and then goes through Sudan and ends up in Egypt and Egypt's entire water source actually is the Nile. So the the fear that the IMF had before lending money to Ethiopia is, uh, what if you know Ethiopia just blocks all the water and it does not reach Egypt or Sudan? But it actually makes the the water flow predictable for uh, Egypt and Sudan. So like, there's floods that happen in Sudan like every now and then. But if Ethiopia can control like the water flow, then they would actually, they can plan the, not to have floods basically. Um, and for Egypt, it, it really, really does not seem to affect them that much because the, the, the woods and the, the lengths of the dams actually, it's not that big uh, to hold like that much water anyway. But uh, Egypt is still a bit paranoid about like their, uh, how much water will reach them might decrease. So it's geopolitically awkward to do uh, anything was the dam currently, right? And why Ethiopia wants to sell power to different nations, the the problem is, it's not it's not going to be that easy. Like even if Ethiopia succeeds at selling power to all these nations, the total amount of money that could be earned is around only one billion US dollars, and that that's not significant enough to change things front for the country. But also the countries like are feeling weird about buying power. Right? Like say Kenya wants to buy power from Ethiopia. But buying power from Ethiopia means they're going to have Egypt as an enemy and then Egypt's allies as an enemy or whatnot. It, it becomes really awkward for them. So they would not they would not want to um, buy power from Ethiopia. So um, it's, it's still a gamble to want to sell to these these nations. But worse comes to worse, the Ethiopian government wants to use the power to distribute to the country because the country still there is basically no uh, electricity within the country. So. The worst comes to worst, they want to use it for internal use. Um, so th there, there are many things that, that, that make mining not 
currently that's that's why education is very important right like that's what god is doing that's what we're doing we're trying to communicate very clearly why doing this is better than doing the other options that they have for example um the infrastructure problem if you give a build infrastructure to export to say sudan kenya and uh, djibouti that that infrastructure itself is going to cost you 1.7 billion us dollars right for something that's going to earn us 1 billion dollars so to even to break even we're going to have to wait multiple years of construction and then gamble that they buy and they want to back out from the deal so we're, we're we're trying to make uh, a list of all scenarios that could play out right like if they sell power to this country and this country backs out or doesn't back out versus they just sell to the bitcoin network right like very simple um it's always available it's not like joke politically complex it does not need anyone's permission it just needs you keep it a plug um miners to to the dam and then they're good like this this part is still a little bit complex because uh, multiple government ministers follow both projects mono and calcasa and and they're interested in this right but they're also wondering okay like there is a gamble of still needing to buy mining equipment so we're also trying to compare that like buying 10,000 S19ASIC machines might be uh 10% of what um yeah it would cost only about like 105 million dollars while building infrastructure to sell power would cost about 1.7 billion dollars so uh we're trying to give them the benefits versus the risks uh, measure but the best thing about bitcoin is there's always bitcoin is always like a, a power buy right like it's not backing out like today or tomorrow it's not controversial it does not need meetings to hold um but also another thing we're thinking is what uh El Salvador is proposing actually selling bonds to buy the mi- the mining equipment necessary to start mining but also it doesn't have to be like uh, all all or nothing type of scenario tip i can sell i mean most of its power and then still use like 5% 10% 20% of the dam for mining so right now it's just it's confusing for some government people to un- to understand and they there's been a lot of snake oil in the country there's been people coming and saying we can change this we could do that right so the government has gotten very skeptical this is like a relatively new government and the best part about this government is actually most people in it are very young so they're they're sharp they understand what you know to some extent they do understand what cryptocurrency means but also um importing cardano has made them a little bit skeptical the cardano has been making promises for multiple years so there's serious amount of skepticism that this could work and that if 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 we could do this why don't other nations do a type of perspective is very uh, apparent but so the solution to this is obviously education just education talking about it uh making plans that are practical presenting like al has been doing uh what routes are practical what routes may not be practical what routes are like risky and then just playing out the scenarios for them and showing why bitcoin mining is actually the best um scenario for many different things it's it's just going to benefit the country in many different ways even if even if they are skeptical about bitcoin right 
they can simply just mine Bitcoin and immediately sell it to US dollars, right? So that that has been attractive to them. So one new way we're, we've been like phrasing this whole um, pitch recently has been forget Bitcoin, but there is a power buyer that you don't have to meet, you don't have to bargain with. Uh, you simply sell power to that thing. It does not need infrastructure building. You can just plug in the some computer devices to them to the dam and immediately you're generating money you can uh, you can convert that money into money that they recognize and we believe that's just going to make them realize that bitcoin is valuable so i'm trying to sell them like bitcoin the network more than bitcoin that the asset because that bitcoin the asset is just extremely skeptical skeptical because the way they see it it's a volatile asset like they hold it or they they buy it or they mine it and they don't sell it immediately. It's just going to fluctuate so much that they, they they think it's unpredictable, that they think it could go to zero tomorrow, right? So, yeah, education is the most the most important thing. It, it, it just it's so practical and it makes sense to do this. So we think we think they, they will pick up on this like sooner or later. We're just trying to educate them as much as we can. It's incredibly interesting. And also, if you are successful this would be the uh killer application i mean it will be a demo that energy producers all around the world will watch and uh, it will be hard to not follow once somebody does this there's no reason for other locked energy resources or producers to not follow it's extremely interesting um I shared a tweet at the top um, about this project. It's a tweet thread by Corrido Network. We have um, uh, Yilak. Could you share about this uh, lightning payments that you mentioned, uh, paying uh, local merchants in Ethiopia? How is that going? Yeah, thank you. Uh, good question. I want to make something clear first because... Uh, Bitcoin is like a, a, a one of a kind. There is nothing like it in, in the world. Like we all know that. And uh, even if the Ethiopian government want, don't want to participate in this thing, the people has a right to participate at the end of the day, right? Like uh, Bitcoin is neutral. The government they know that they cannot control it. They can they can create a law to control the people, but the people they're not gonna change how the people could. Uh, interact with Bitcoin. So that's a huge thing. That means people can actually adapt, individually can adapt Bitcoin. They don't have to wait for the government to, to say, go ahead, adapt it. If, uh, let's say I'm a young guy who's working in Ethiopia, uh, I don't have a job. I'm not participating in, in, in the ecosystem because the economy is very small, but I have a skill to provide for a, 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 another country. Like uh, me, I need a developer who can uh, develop some uh, program for me. I can hire that person directly to provide some value for me. Since he provides some value for me, I give it to Bitcoin. And that's what Lightning provides. The second layer can, can facilitate this small transaction to each other, so we can bring this huge community, like untapped uh, energy resource as a human capital, into the, the 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 world market by providing them a job, by paying them directly with uh, Bitcoin. This is uh, a reality nobody can stop. It, uh, if someone in Ethiopia 
want to work for something and accept Bitcoin, that's his right, that's his human right. But since he's living in that country, he also pay tax. He actually generated more income for the country by by paying uh, whatever income tax, whatever the, the country aside for that. Then this is a huge opportunity. Seeing that, uh, I've been involved with uh, open projects like uh, BitPay provider and uh, Liquid uh, from Blackstream. How to how to give uh, the, the country a way. Because most of the time, uh, Bitcoin described as a, uh, a reserve currency or a asset, the fluctuation is very discouraging for the people sometimes. So liquid, we wanted to issue like a, a Ethiopian bur or liquid network and directly connect it to with Bitcoin and uh, give them that 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 like network situation solved. That's what we've been working on. Right now, uh, LND Lab Lab they actually come up with a better solution, in my opinion. Uh, the the uh, Toro can actually facilitate this uh, thing perfectly uh, and very beautifully. That could be some technical, but uh, we can go and describe that in the future. But right now, this Lightning Network, which I'm uh, participating, is to give uh, the people a way uh, easily. Uh, to set up their soft, uh, uh, account and start receiving Bitcoin or sending payment using the Lightning Network. That's what I, uh, I'm working on. Question on that. The people that you talk to on the ground, uh, mm -hmm. okay, so they would receive Bitcoin, but then the problem for them is they can't use it at the moment, no? Because most of them would want to convert it into beer or US dollars, right? Um, not really, uh, uh, which is which is true in a sense because uh, I don't know exactly how the Ethiopia uh, economy works or how the the banking system works. Uh, but they can also use Bitcoin to to buy something else on the Bitri field. My my myself, while I was in Ethiopia, I use uh, I feel a telecommunication. Uh, card to another person using Lightning Network in Ethiopia. So it's not only they can convert it, they actually can get some value out of it. If that answers your question. Very interesting. Bitrefill tends to come up quite often, actually, as a as a use case. Um, how how common is it in Ethiopia that people use Bitrefill to buy stuff? I'm not, I'm not exactly sure because I don't have the data or but uh, the, the the problem is uh, that the markup between Bitrefill and the actual value you get is very huge. So intent people intend to like why I'm paying this much. But this will be solved with Lightning Network directly. By uh, there is a solution for it. I think if they don't have, I don't know exactly how many people using it. But if they don't use it as much, maybe the markup between uh, changing. The actual Bitcoin to value is the markup there is a little bit higher. And and, and also to to uh, add on to that, I would say there's a there's a challenge with like liquidity at the Ethiopia level. So you know um, you know there's only so much that that Yelaka will will be able to build, and then at some point, um, you know you're going to need a you know on ramp off ramp in Ethiopia. And like, you know, Yilak has done plenty of testing and, you know, running nodes and, you know, uh, channels and all of this, but 
you know, I, I think it's fair to say. So I, I had a conversation with um, uh, someone at the government, right? And uh, and so I was like straight up, like, is is this thing? Can we work with this thing? Like, can I have um, large amounts of it, right, within country? And um, and like, you know, what do you think, right? <laughs> and just being very kind of blunt with the question, and the response was, you know, Bitcoin as a network or as a technology, so capital B is like go for it, right? But the you know government official reminded me that Bitcoin as a value or as a money. The lower B is still technically kind of illegal. Like a lawyer could make that point, right? So I, I think it, you know, it means that um, it, it was kind of like um, a, uh, an understanding, right? Like it was kind of it was definitely the weirdest meeting I've been to because you know somebody is is, is pretty much uh, responding to a question with a question, right? And saying, well, what do you think the law means, right? Which also I think is a really um, like genuine way to govern. Like, I mean, I didn't think I would get that response, you know, like, so I guess hat, hat, hats off to them. But, but yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, generally, I think Yelak has built a great deal. I think Project Mono, they've, they've written about a great deal, right, in terms of mining and the efficiency and, and, and the value addition. So now it's, 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 uh, it's a matter of, of putting, you know, putting together the, the dots and um and yeah fighting against inflation because you know the the vision or or the mission is that there's there's kind of a global war on the poor or the asset less right so um yeah we have to understand how these capital market works we have to understand remittance and we have to get to the most efficient way to do everything uh, because we can't keep letting people take 10 percent of everything right that, that just doesn't get us anywhere so cal seems like there's a lot of government interaction and discussion uh, going on around Bitcoin. Um, and it seems like there's a lot of interest, uh, curiosity. They, they seem quite willing to engage, which uh, is a bit surprising to me, honestly. Uh, uh, whenever, you know, government and Bitcoin, it tends not to mix very well. Why is that they are willing to to entertain those conversations? Do you think? Uh, because most of Ethiopia is government led, right? Like, again, it's just it, it's incomparable to what we're used to in the West. So um, you interact with government at every level, all day, every day, right? So uh, because of just the way our communities are made up, because of the way. Our banks are made up, right? Or, or even our banks are are language based, right? And 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 so yeah, uh, you know Dunbar's um, number, right? One hundred fifty, really doesn't apply to Ethiopia. I mean, we have weddings that are in the thousands, right? So out, the way our communities work are so um, ancient, right? Uh, and and politics has has pervaded everything, right? religion, uh, you know, society, media, um, you know, I can, you know, if I have 10 friends, seven of them are government employees, like direct government employees, right? Like those are the stats. Actually, it's, if I have 10 friends, three of them have died in wars, right? In like in the past two years, 
political things, right? So I can't not ag- acknowledge that. Great answer. And uh, wow, didn't know there was so many casualties in these uh, wars. Um, um, let me add. Let me add this point. Sorry if I interrupt you. This is what I, I would like to add. Uh, since Ethiopia is very like poor country and the government has a lot on their plate right now, and they have to like uh, react, even if they have the understanding for Bitcoin, for them to come up with the law to govern that Bitcoin is going to take another two, three years. So my, 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 my approach is this. Since Bitcoin is not breaking any kind of law, we're just going to build it, provide it, then the government will decide how to regulate it after when people start using it. That, I think that's that's the approach the country is taking, and uh, I think this is an acceptable approach. What else is happening in Ethiopia? I know Project Mano mentioned that there was other focus areas. Um, is there any other focus area that you would like to uh, share with us, what you're doing, what's happening? Cal, you like... What what else is on your on your minds and hearts that we haven't spoken about yet? Uh, Nemo was supposed to join us today, um, but he's working on a um, it's a it's a document, and it's going to a few offices. So I'll allow him to kind of speak about that at, at a different time. But um, if you guys aren't already, follow Nemo Samret on um, Twitter. He will publish more on Bitcoin, um, but he's he's generally a smart guy. He's, he's probably like the the wisest one in the room. So, uh, yeah, definitely be on the lookout for for you know the, the things that he's he he may or may not publish. Yeah, I went over his his paper and it's beautifully written, and it hits all the the main point how. Uh, the government should approach. It's really a good insight uh, for uh, for the government to see how they can approach this uh, this air. I mean, this adaptation, uh, however they want to call it. Hey, um, Harish. Um, now is a good time to ask you a question. Yes, I uh, I was kind of uh, listening. Um, when I first came into this room and I heard Project Mono describe uh, his project, um, uh, basically trying to um, uh, get um, like orange pill to the government of Ethiopia to uh, use Bitcoin. And in that sense, since uh, it's kind of like uh, facilitated by the government and how will uh, citizens of uh, Ethiopia uh, be able to participate in the in the economy basically if i interpret your question um how will the citizens of ethiopia benefit if this is successful right um project mano how would the money actually uh be used um by the government as a next step would it be distributed uh, via other other projects or so so the way we're looking at the Ethiopian bird itself is the Ethiopian bird is the currency in the country, is it and it's and it's 
the money itself is a social contract of like distribution as well. So if you're getting paid uh, 1,000 ETP Ember per month, and that the value of that uh, ETP Ember goes up, like if it can buy you more dollars, if it can make things you import less, uh, less expensive for you, then the value is sort of distributed just within the money, right? So even though we can only use the local currency, if the government increases its GDP or it increases the export that it has, it means um, currently it's like $3 billion divided by, or like the money they claim to have divided by the ETP number that they have is this much, right? So like one US dollar is worth 57, but when they say that, they're saying, for each dollar we have, we've printed 57 ETP. So if you could increase the money that they have, then you may be able to decrease the the exchange rate to maybe maybe 30, but or 20, but or even less. Right? So that makes everyone who uses the currency in the country, that makes their life extremely very, very many folks easier, right? Because they can buy things cheaper they will not be as impacted by inflation they could buy fuel or whatever items they want to import for cheaper than they'd be able to right so that's that's one way the money gets distributed other than like you know other government-led projects like um distributing electricity distributing i mean we're just increasing the, the government spending money but right now that that's sort of controversial because of the internal conflict even within our, our own project people who are part of Project Mono are flip-flopping whether we should support this or not. Because if, if the Ethiopian government maybe um, can increase its spending abilities two times or three times, maybe they would use it for different things than than helping the population, right? But it's still, we like I personally think it's still be very helpful if the if the bitter stops like devaluing so fast and so hard, uh, I mean, like, what, what, like the government admits around 37 or sometimes even around 40% of inflation. That's just what they admit, right? Once we get close to the 50% territory, we, we can officially be labeled hyperinflation. And so that really sucks. And that's really sudden. No one knows what to do with it. The economy is hard to sync with. We'd be tackling that problem. And that's, that's how the distribution of this money would happen, ideally, and not, um, uh, and it would not be like, like I mean, the money itself is a, a way of tokenizing whatever value that country has into things you can earn, right? I, I hope that answered your questions. Yeah. Um, so, so people will still be using the this is the the beer that the Ethiopian government uses, but uh, um, I guess from what I understand, it's like uh, me kind of like backed by the the Bitcoin. Yeah, so that 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 makes sense. Our stance with this is we don't want to threaten the government's money printing abilities, right? We don't want to tell them this is something that people are going to start use, and they will not be able to control monetary policy. Um, but also, if you start directly pitching Bitcoin, what's going to happen is people who have access to electricity, people already who already have accumulated a lot of the local currency, we use the black market exchange rate and accumulate more Bitcoin. And that creates um, a very unpredictable type of society. What will happen is the people who are in the cities will be, there will be an inequality of wealth, right? And that will happen very rapidly. 
because people will have Bitcoin uh, who can fly out of the country. All of those, will, that can't be everyone, right? The reason it can't be everyone is because most of the country is still kind of rural. That's about 90% of the country, maybe like 87% of the country does not have electricity or a telephone or does not know how to use these devices. So by making Bitcoin a thing or by pitching people to use Bitcoin, who will end up using it? It's people who are already privileged. So the way we think it should happen is this is just what we think. And Kyle and Project Man actually disagrees about this. Kyle's approach is empower the individuals. Our approach is maybe empower the government, distribute what it can and slowly let everyone use Bitcoin. But because it's really hard to distribute Bitcoin or its power to everyone just, just so suddenly. When you start going talking about it, the, like the wrong people, the people who are in government, the people who already are involved in the black market will immediately start using it. And that, like there's already inequality of laws. That's one reason we think um yeah I, the, now I these internal conflicts uh, happen yeah and it makes sense thank you yeah it's it's like it's a confusing decision but also we do not want to threaten the government right because we there's it's it's helpful that the government can print money right that's how you can survive with three billion us dollars it's not because we're using the dollars it's because we have a local economy within the country so when we buy eggs, we buy eggs from someone within the country. Everyone who's in the country sells to other people in the country. Because the market is localized, the global inflation does not affect individuals as much as it should. So life does not uh, is not as messy as it should be. And that's because the government can print money and tokenize value, right? So we do not want to take that away, right? Because why should Ethiopia be the first country that that, that happens to? And El Salvador's case, the government does not have a currency of its own from the beginning, right? Um, it would it would be helpful if the other nations turn their currency into Bitcoin. Like so, if US US changed its currency to US dollars, I mean Bitcoin, that may benefit Ethiopia. But if Ethiopia changed its currency to Bitcoin, then um, would be vulnerable to lots of things that we're currently not vulnerable right now for, um, and that's why. We don't. We don't want to promote it to the individual, but to the government, because the government is sort of the market mover, and also a provider of other services. Uh, um, yeah, that uh, uh, individuals in the in the economy can't really provide for themselves. Yeah, exactly. And, and also, it's kind of like um, when you're in a war, right? You're in like these trenches, right? And El Salvador, like, God bless them. They were the first to, like, get out of the trenches and just, like, start fighting, right? And and they're struggling right now because, of course, they had started buying around, you know, 50 or 40 or what have you. Um, and 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 Central Africa Republic, same thing, right? They, 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 they are leading the charge. Like, they are the brave ones right now. You know what I mean? And so it doesn't make sense for Ethiopia because it has 110 million people. And, uh, and and there is a certain risk uh, associated. I want to mention um, the mystery of capital, uh, Fernando de Soto. Uh, it's a great understanding as to why um, you know Eastern countries aren't working. Um, but but also I'd like to mention that 
five, six years ago. I remember being a part of a team that led, you know, a billion dollars uh, of investment into Ethiopia. Uh, the government wanted to offload some uh, some tobacco uh, and like cig- cigarette manufacturing companies um, into the private sector, and and it was a billion dollar um, investment in, in in FDI, right? And so whether it comes through uh, a direct investment or whether it comes through bonds, it's not up to me. But uh, like like the people like on the stage and and in these movements have raised money before. Um, and have spent money before, right? Sometimes recklessly or sometimes on really good projects like the dam. So now it's a matter of mobilizing that, uh, uh, the last mile challenge, right? And, uh, and, and going from there. So the money makes sense. And I think, uh, you know, the professionals will, will be able to tell you all this, but, um, from a Bitcoiners perspective, the, the, you know, the money makes sense. So, um, would you say that like uh, Ethiopia is kind of like using Bitcoin as kind of like a social movement, a social? Um, I was asking, are you asking if uh, if the population uses Bitcoin as a part of like some sort of rebellion against the government? No, I don't think that was the question. Um, I think it was about uh, basically uh, Bitcoin as a social project to improve the uh, state for everybody in Ethiopia. I think that was the point. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, yeah, you got it right, Lucas. Okay, cool. Um, I think Yilak was about to say something, but then muted. Yeah, I was, I was trying to add something. Uh, what the mining can do for the people in Ethiopia uh, is one of the things I've seen in Ethiopia is while I was there the last... Uh, three months ago, there's so many interests who people who actually successful in Ethiopia in their own way, and they wanted to invest on Bitcoin, but they have no other, they, they have no option because they don't, they cannot access dollar. Even if they have access dollar, that has to be for some government decided thing they have to spend it to. They can't just freely get because they have so much Ethiopian they cannot have dollar. But having that miner in Ethiopia, this is how the, it helps those people actually can uh, buy Bitcoin using their Ethiopian burr. Because uh, the miner, at the end of the day, they have to sell, the, they have to buy the energy from the country. And that energy belongs to all the people in Ethiopia. So whoever decides to invest in Bitcoin, see the future, can have access to buy Bitcoin using uh, from the mining generated value. The other thing is, uh, people don't have money in Ethiopia. Like, uh, these are only few 1% people who can actually have extra money to invest from Bitcoin. The other side of the, the adoption for Ethiopia, the network side of the adoption is opening up Ethiopia that the young generation, people who doesn't have any kind of money at all, but they can provide some kind of value for the, for the, for the world. Those people can use the network to access to Bitcoin. That's the two things which is happening right now in our broad flash. Yeah, I'm, I'm experiencing this myself. Basically being able to pay cross-border without uh, having any friction whatsoever for um, the regular services or microservices 
it's really amazing. Uh, there's no headache and uh, 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 there is as competent people all over the world. Uh, so sometimes there's no point in, in uh, asking somebody locally to help out when you can have somebody that can do it as well, but where there's a um, benefit to both parties, there's a, maybe a lower salary level and uh, for them it's still a way better pay than uh, they would get locally. Everybody's happy. I think it's really amazing. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the average salary for Ethiopian engineer right now is like, uh, I don't know, last time I checked was uh, 20,000 Ethiopian. That is translated to like a couple of, uh, what, uh, two, three hundred dollars? That's These insane. People, yeah, that's insane. These people are very intelligent. Our educational system is one of the greatest education system. Most people who come out of like uh, Addis Ababa University or Bahadur University, all of the, the, the educational thing, they very bright kid, very smart kid. They can actually do so many amazing things, but they don't have opportunity to provide because there is no network who let them able to do that. That's what we need to tap into. And uh, yeah, like I said, the education takes a, a lot of thing, but if we actually build it and provide it and uh, show them how this thing works, uh, I think the adoption rate will be exponentially different. Yeah, like, uh, do you have connection with a lot of uh, students and universities already? So that if yeah. people reach out to you, they you already have uh, people that are interested? Sure. Uh, on top of that, me and Carl, uh, we went to this uh, interesting place to give them some insight. Carl can describe it better. Uh, and uh, they have a lot of people who actually provide a service through the company, uh, like service to outside of a country, but they have to go through the company because there is no payment system. But uh, those connections also help out like to actually facilitate this thing. Carl can actually describe it. Yeah, that, that office. So Yilak and I were, were in uh, Ethiopia for a few months, just talking to anybody that would want to talk about Bitcoin. So, you know, we would be invited into people's homes, into people's offices. And then at some point, you know, the stages got larger, right? So um, the one of the offices we went to was MMCY Tech. They do outsourcing services, right? So uh, a litany of, of tech and, and kind of, um, you know, outsource services, right? And they have staff all over the world and um you know dubai and new york and, 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 and x y and z right and and they hosted us they said hey here's an office here's our staff you know they, they're extremely bright i mean in terms of the questions they were asking we went over all of the uh, the big bitcoin resources um and and so Yilak has a, a very credible point i mean you have these engineers that are you know um let's say affordable right or their salaries are you know for an american employer are attractive right and so yeah we, we you know they you know had us in in their office and you know also i'll be quite honest they are a great kind of beacon of like liquidity as well right i mean they um you know you have some of these private sector leaders that um they've gotten so uh big that now they've understood that the only way to get bigger is to influence pol policy and make things to where it's easier for 
a business upstart or or a startup or or an entrepreneur, right? So, yeah, I mean, you know, you have, you know, I, I you know, a lot of the the private sector guys. It's really interesting. They, you know, they spend so much on on things for community purposes, and uh, and hopefully there'll be a good uh, you know return from that. But these companies, they wouldn't be able to actually receive Bitcoin as payment, no? Well, because they have, um, I, so I'm not going to sp- sp- speak specifically to this office, but uh, generally uh, uh, business people like myself and Yilak have accounts globally. So for us, we have passports. This is the real issue, right? Like Ethiopians are smart, like smarter than the rest, right? Like competitively, I I, I, I would bet on them, right? Now, the, the issue is they don't have passports, so I can't open up a Wells Fargo account for them, right? I don't need to. Wells Fargo sucks. I'll give them a moon wallet, right? So that's that's like where we are. Okay. That's super interesting. At least one of those engineers with uh, some company in Sweden where I'm from. I'm from the Swedish tech sector. Uh, that's where I grew up uh, professionally. And um there is uh, fairly open mindedness about working remote and uh, tech tech companies in Sweden now are completely multicultural so um i think if if there can be one or a few uh success cases that you could then show off to others then i think that could be a self reinforcing positive self-reinforcing thing so um yeah very exciting um i hope uh as many as possible listen to this we should we should uh, make a quote of this and uh publish on twitter so so uh, more bitcoiners can share and listen to this and maybe we can maybe we can kick something off there um help help this effort um uh, i would like to get a final uh thoughts from each speaker um and cal thank you so much for co-hosting this space it was really really good extremely interesting to hear what's happening in ethiopia it's clear that all of you guys are uh, very very passionate and super smart and you can get stuff done so i think a lot of stuff's gonna happen cal would you um would you have a few minutes to share your thoughts, um, some final comments, anything you want to say? Uh, only just, just thank you. You know, I, I know we're, we, we are always kind of, you know, rushed for time. Um, but I want to thank you guys for, you know, being, being in the conversation and, um, you know, putting all of this together and that, you know, we have a really good community now. So, um, you know, this is, this is good. If, if there weren't other Bitcoiners, I would have, you know, uh, it, it would have been a uh, less entertaining experience, you know, but um, even just the, the three people that we spoke to today, right, or, or, or what have you, I think, um, yeah, there, there's a lot of good stories there. So, um, yeah, continue sharing them, continue learning. And, uh, you know, it, and, you know, for, for me, it's, it's, it's almost like a personal appeal at this point, right? Because, I hate to say it, but the Ethiopian and the Addis Ababa community, you know, the way, you know, um, information works, you really have to understand the, the culture, right? So the, the better I understand Ethiopia, 
I think the more the more um, we'll all kind of be able to, to kind of and, and, and kind of share in, in this new Bitcoin uh, uh, knowledge base, if you will. Um, but yeah, Yilak, Project Mono, um, everybody that wasn't able to, to attend today, I think uh, um, the best is in store because we've been through the worst. So we just got to keep going. Boom. Thank you so much for that, Kyle. Very inspiring words. And maybe Project Mano, if you would like to share your thoughts, anything you want to say. Um. Yeah, so, I mean, everything I've been saying, it's actually on our website. We have a... Um, the proposal of Project Mono is actually just public. If you go to projectmono.com slash plan, or if you do bitcoin.com.et, um, you should be able to like find every, every, some of the things we've been working on. And um, we think the pressure actually comes from you know the public. Like, if there are Ethiopians in this room, just talk about it. Just talk about the possibility this brings, and hopefully this goes around and, you know, ends up in the right ear and becomes a reality. And you know what? I, I, we think this is going to be reality. Just, it just seems like a matter of time and then convincing the right person to, to look into. Um, so yeah, like support projects model by talking about it, reading about it. And um, yeah, if you ever come across an ETPN or an ETPN diplomat or, um, official just tell them about it that's that's yeah that that's all um yeah look into project mano and just just talk about it to people uh you know africans Ethiopians, everyone is actually relevant here um yeah that's that's all yeah i think you have taken on a grand task and uh will you succeed it's going to be massive. Yilak. Yeah, uh, thank you for inviting me. Uh, thank you very much. I learned a lot. Yeah, all I want to see is that uh, contrary to what the bank or government claim or say, Bitcoin grant property rights for 8 billion people. So anybody is uh, want to use it, they can use it or government cannot can, cannot force people to use it. It's just a, a personal choice. So if anybody want to uh, uh, see what they can do with Bitcoin, they can go to my website, uh, lptil.com, and see all our initiatives, what we think and what uh, is feasible for the country, and going forward, how we can uh, create uh, adoption. Uh, and uh, then, Kyle, everybody, uh, Lucas, uh, thank you very much. Uh, that's all. Don't forget to follow these amazing guests. Yilak, I'm very intrigued about this lightning payments for awesome Ethiopian developers project. I hope it's going to take off and I'll try to contribute something myself if I can. Um, I have uh, really enjoyed listening to this conversation and it's been very educating uh, learning about Ethiopia I didn't know that Ethiopia had uh, been sovereign since forever 
and that Ethiopia has such a uh, solid foothold in real money as compared to many nations that have become fiatized since a long time. And um, it also makes sense that there is engineering talent in Ethiopia. Uh, one common characteristic for communist countries or all communist countries like East Europe, Vietnam, where I've been living for the past two years, and I guess Ethiopia, Angola as well, there is a lot of focus in the education sector on engineering, math, and so on. So uh, that was also news to me, very interesting. Um, so um, I'm very interested to follow the progress on Bitcoin adoption in Ethiopia. And it seems like it has a fairly good chance to become a big bang country um, coming in in the next couple of years, maybe. So thank you so much for that. Global Bitcoin Fest, we love to listen to local communities share what's happening in their country. We do this every Sunday, one new country every week. And um, please also join our social spaces if you've been a guest. Uh, you're always welcome to come and speak and share stories and updates with other guests. And um, those conversations tend to be really amazing. And before we hop off, I'd love to have Cal, Project Manu, Yilak, if you could unmute. Um, if you can unmute. And how do you say goodbye in Ethiopian? Salam wad. I guess there is a, a lot of ways of saying it, but I think... Uh, there, there are more ways to say hello and welcome than goodbye. So, let's salam walu. Yeah, salam walu. Okay, salam walu, guys. Thank you so much. Salam walu. Salam walu. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Ciao. Salam walu. Ciao. Global Bitcoin Fest. Celebrate Bitcoin adoption with Bitcoin communities worldwide.